Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 30. Another parable put, he, he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do, do you want us to go and gather them up? And he said, no, lest while you're, you gather up the test, you also approve the wheat with them. Let them both grow until the harvest. Of the, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the test and bind them in, the, in bundles to bend them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10. Three to six. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after or according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Last week I started talking about breaking strongholds of the mind. I want to continue a topic, breaking strongholds of the mind. I'm sure you are wondering why I read that parable in Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says that he put a parable for saying that a man sowed good seeds in his field. But while men slept, an enemy came and sowed bad seeds or tares into the field. And when the servant examined the field of wheat, they realized that together with the wheat were tares. Hallelujah. Now, tares look like wheat at the beginning. I, I, I'm trying to paint the picture. Tares look like wheat. They grow the same way. The difference between the tares and the wheat is that at the harvest time, the wheat bows down. Because the wheat is so heavy at the top that it bows down. But the tears remain light that it stands straight. So that is the only way you can differentiate between the wheat and the tears. That is why the householder or the landlord said to them that wait until the harvest time. Because now if you try to uproot the tears, you are likely to uproot the wheat with them. That is how strongholds are. Strongholds sometimes look like good things. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Strongholds sometimes look like God, godly things. It is only at the toughest time that you will realize the difference between what a stronghold is and what a test. 
Because when they produce their products, then it will make it known to you that this is not a good thing. Hallelujah. And we, we, we said last week that um, Paul wrote to the Corinthians telling them that there's so much spiritual insight in your camp. There's so much spiritual uh, grace and anointing that has been given to you. But the reason why you are still not achieving your, your, your purpose and achieving your potential is because you have a stronghold that keeps you bound. And last week I was trying to explain to you that a stronghold is like an invisible cord that is tied on the neck of a horse that keeps the horse's well very small. Are you with me? So the horse is not able to put, uh, uh, work on its full capacity and potential. It can't realize its potential because a stronghold keeps the horse reduced in its ability and its productivity. Hallelujah. As Christians, can I say something to you? As Christians, we cannot be demon-possessed. Unbelievers are demon, can be demon-possessed. But as a Christian, you cannot be demon-possessed. What Satan uses to control Christians are strongholds. So he uses strongholds to manipulate you to do the things that you don't want to do, but you find yourself doing them. But for an unbeliever, he can possess them and get them to do what he wants them to do. That is why this particular subject is very important for all of us. Because when you can master what has mastered you, then you are likely to be free. Uh, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. If you can master what is mastering you, then you are free. Hallelujah. So we, I said to you that strongholds are things that are sown into your life. And it becomes 70% of your thought pattern. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you are thinking is who you are and what you do and what you become. Uh, I, 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 am I okay so far? All right, I'm trying to lay a foundation before I take off. Um, so so what, what is happening here is that you grow up in a certain environment and before you become conscious, some things are said in your hearing for a long time that you become, it becomes part of who you are and how you are psyched or how your psyche works. Uh, you get what I'm saying. There are some people, they told them, as for us, we are very poor people. So, so life is all about survival. When you get food to eat today, you don't know whether you will get food to eat tomorrow. So you have to save some. <laughs> I used a very funny example. That is why people come from poor countries eat more carbohydrates than protein. When you go to Africa, they mention the carbohydrate before they mention the protein. So they say rice and chicken, rice and peas, isn't it? 
Because the rice is actually the food. Fried plantain and beans. It is 80-20 principle. <laughs> it's like the 20 is, is really, it's nothing, it's just bonus. Because if you don't have the 20, you can use sugar. Once you have, you have gari and you have sugar with water, you are all right. Now it's 80-10. <laughs> Even the rice, if you have rice and you don't have anything else, you can put sugar and put a lot of water and boil it and drink it. Sometimes you have rice and then oil and they're easy. You can eat it. Because it is all about survival. I think I'm preaching to the right church. Yeah, I think I'm in the right church. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but you see, that what I'm saying is alien to another culture who don't find there are a lot of people like rice, it's like a, a spoon of rice is too much. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there are other there are a plethora of, of, of choices to make to to add to your plate, and rice is not really the mainstay. So they take something rice, a small rice, then they have protein, they have this, they have that. By the time they finish, they are full. And they've enjoyed the meal better than the one who ate to fill the stomach. I don't know what I'm, I'm, I'm talking to. See, a lot of people eat to stop hunger. And a lot of people eat for pleasure. The two are not the same. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and you see, what I'm saying, it doesn't matter how rich you become in future, that principle still holds you strong. So now that you can afford any food on earth to eat, if the rice is not more than protein, you have eaten. Uh, I don't think <laughs> nobody's backing me on this. When you eat salad, you think you haven't eaten. How many, how many watch Saturday morning cook program on TV? A lot of us from another, the other side of the planet can't relate with the food they make. Yesterday morning, I don't know what I was doing, but I... For some reason, I had my TV on in the morning. Normally, my TV is off during the day. But for some reason, it was on in the morning. And the guy cooked. He used um, cabbage. He steamed the cabbage. Then he put uh, stock into the, onto the cabbage, steamed the cabbage, and then put some, uh, I think it's, it's like uh, beggars or something, some meat, something, and then he, he put it on the plate and added some something garnish and said, okay, this, is the, this is the meal. And I looked at the meal, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, and, and, and as I looked at the meal, I was saying to myself, this one, <laughs> this one, it, 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 is, it is a full meal. It's a full meal. 
It's not a starter. But do you know why it's a full meal? Because before the person eats that meal, he has eaten starters. Then he comes to this one. Then he goes to dessert. Are you getting what I'm saying? So by the time he's gone through the three, it has worked. But you see, from, from, from where I come from, we skip starters, we skip dessert, we go for survival. Uh, I don't know whether I'm in the right church or not. Am I in the right church? Yeah. It's like rice and dumplings. It's like rice and dumplings. Rice is carbohydrate. Dumplings is carbohydrate. You have, you have rice, yam, uh, 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 that, that thing that you do, what's it called? The one that see, the one that has all the creatures, seafood. Yeah. 70% of that food is starch. It's just the crabs and the herrings and the eggs. That's it. 80% is carbohydrates. And we like to get this one. Hallelujah. I, you see, when I use food, you can understand and see it. It's the same way with other things in your life. Even the subjects you do is a stronghold. They say you are either a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, a pharmacist. The options are getting finished. <laughs> an accountant. The options are finishing. So anything outside this top five or top ten, you didn't really go to school. So if you do what uh, Pastor Sam did, like uh, transport planning, what is that? But who, 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 how many of us realize that where the money is, is not in doctrine, accountancy, uh, uh, pharmacy. Uh, uh, that's not where the money is. Somebody will go and do one year course and see something, something, something I see. What do you people do at the back? C fax. C plus. C plus plus. Or C plus three, three times plus. And the more plus, the more money they get. And you have been in school seven years, eight years, and you don't have anything. And it's all because of the 70, 30 principle. The 30 is what I'm doing. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying to make you see that your habits are as a result of where you grew up. But you see, everything I'm saying, we are laughing about it, but if we leave this room, you see that the act, next action you take is because of poverty. Go to your, your wardrobe and see poverty. In case you didn't know what, I'm, what I meant by that, when you see a lot of clothes, it means poverty. Do you want me to break it down? All right, let me break it down. Because you are afraid to not have, 
You gather everything. Go and see. There are some clothes in your wardrobe for the last five years you haven't worn, but it's still there. Because you are afraid to throw it away. Because you are of poverty mentality. It's like, what if I don't? There are some shoes your feet grew out of it way. But you still have it. And you won't give it away. Have you gone to this type of thrift shops? The people that contribute to thrift shops don't look like you. Because they don't have survival mentality that you have. That's why you never take your clothes to thrift shops to donate. You see, I've gone quiet. How many know what I'm saying? For some reason, what did, what did he say? What does it mean? What does it mean? Listen. When you go to the supermarket and you buy a lot of, you are filling the, the, your trolley, it's because of poverty. You don't need that much food. But it's as if the food is finishing. I think I'm preaching better than your amen, you know. <laughs> so you buy bread. You only took, take two or three slices and it goes moldy. The next day you go and buy again. It's because of poverty mentality. That is why you rather go to, let me not mention some, some shops, cheaper, cheaper shops, and you buy three for 10 pounds. Meanwhile, you don't need three. One quality one will outlast the three. See, it's too expensive. So you go and buy cheaper things. And the cheaper thing, you buy a cheaper computer. In the last, in the last seven years, you have replaced it five times, which costs. Ten times the price yeah. of one good one that would last ten years. Yeah. But because of the poverty mindset, you can't understand it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, am I getting through? Listen, your behavior is formed out of habits. And habits are default behavior which you don't think or you don't process. Some of us, we are lazy because we grew up around lazy people. So everything is, when you default, you become lazy. If you're not thinking, you sleep more than you ought to. And you will give yourself a reason why to sleep more. You remember you are tired. And then you prolong the sleep. And then when you sleep, you feel a little bit more tired. That prolongs the sleep a little bit more. <laughs> Am I talking to that? Then, 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 it becomes a habit. Because after you sleep eight hours today, eight hours tomorrow, ten hours the next day, ten hours the next day, then ten hours becomes a habit. So your default is ten hours minimum. 
and you forget a scripture that says a little sleep, a little slumber. Meanwhile, you have been praying. God, I need a breakthrough. You have been fasting. Lord, I need a breakthrough. But your behavior and the prayer don't match. Are you with me? And you see, you can't outpray a bad behavior. Uh, I dropped the bombshell there, but I don't think you got it. You, you cannot outpray a bad behavior. It doesn't matter how much you pray. If the behavior is bad, the consequences or the outcome will be bad. That's the reason why in some places in Africa and other continents, they pray more than here. And meanwhile, they are poorer more than here. Godless people have money. I remember I went on holidays in a certain country. And 5 a.m., this man had a megaphone that he was preaching into it 5 a.m. behind my window. And he was preaching and preaching. So I said, okay, maybe by 5.30 you'll be done. 6 a.m. he was still preaching. 7 a.m. he was still preaching. 8 a.m. he was still preaching. 10 o'clock he was still preaching. 11.30 he was still So I got up and said, what is going on? So I went into the, it's supposed to be a, a residential area. He had turned the garage into a church hall. And they had put the speaker on the wall that faces my window. I'm not telling you a story. You know, so I went there. When I got there, there were about 11 people there with a small keyboard and the speaker is about three times this size. Stacked like that. The big ones, they are three times this size. Stacked like that. And I, I was like, I was so angry. I said to the guy, why are you here with these people? Why don't you leave them to go and work? Uh, you don't understand. You see, in this part of the world, we don't have jobs. So it is uh, um, the God and the word of God. That I said, listen, I'm a pastor. You are not preaching to a non-believer. I said to him, I'm a pastor. What you are doing is not biblical. And I said to him, the Bible says the hands that doesn't work must not eat. I said to him, there's a scripture. Go and read it. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. There's a time to preach. There's a time to work. You can't mix the two and expect harvest. Where's the harvest going to come from when there's no seed in the ground? I said, you are coming from overseas, so you don't understand <laughs> how this how things work around here. I said to him, I'm going to call the police on you. <laughs> I said, these 11 people, this, I said, this keyboard has speakers. If you disconnect this PA, you only have 11 people here. If you disconnect the PA, they will hear it. And you can preach it to them. So we are preaching so that those in the rooms, will hear. I said, those in the rooms, have we told you want to hear your, your preaching? <laughs> In this spread rumor that there's a madman in the house. Wait, he will be going very soon. 
So the next day, they didn't put it on. The following, th- three days later, they were back at it again. Go there, place is so confused. Everybody's making doing church through big speakers and making noise, and there's no productivity because their stronghold is keeping them bound. The greatest prison you can ever live in is not the prison with iron bars, but it's the prison of your mind. Ah, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. The prison of your mind, where your behavior is not good, you cannot out. Church that behavior. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of people believe in a lot of uh, hocus pocus Christianity. I'm not one of them. I believe in miracles. I believe in God giving us divine favor. But you have to work for the increase to happen. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it was somebody's bread that was being broken and being given. And the more they broke and gave, the more it um, uh, multiplied. That is how you multiply your bread. If you don't go through the process of breaking and sharing, you will never multiply. Another stronghold. I was talking about it on Wednesday. A lot of us, we are Christians, but we don't know how to give. Because where we come from, we don't give. Because we don't have. So that survival mentality means keep. When they ask you, say, I don't have. That is the national anthem of a lot of people that look like you and I. How many know what I'm talking about? When your neighbor wants something, you even check to see whether you have it or not. Your first thing is I don't have. How many know what I'm talking about? You say I don't have before you even look and see whether you have it or not. Because your mindset, the psyche is that I don't have enough to give away. But the Bible says the liberal soul shall be made fat. It says that the one that gives is the one that has. Hallelujah. I, I, am I talking to somebody? Yeah. So I, I, I want to challenge us to lose our 70%. Lose it. Lose it. Challenge. Today I want to, I want to show us how the enemy so stares. What the enemy, what Satan uses to sow tests. Because we have said that uh, we do not war, even though we live in the flesh. We don't war after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. The weapons, the Bible says that we are in warfare, right? How many agree? We are in warfare. But though we live in the flesh, our opponents are not fleshy people. Are you getting it? And the weapons that we are using are not carnal. They are not f- tangible. They are not physical. They are not flesh, uh, things that you can see. But they are mighty through God. And that weapon is designed for, do you know that a wep- every weapon is designed for a, a specific enemy? The enemy you have is what Taylor makes the weapon use. If the enemy is in the sky, you don't use uh, AK-45. Or 47. How many understand what I'm saying? If the enemy is in the sky, you need a, a, a surface, a surface to surface missile. A surface to air missile. You need a, 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 a Tomahawk cruise missile or something like that to, to fight in the air. If you are in the sea, you need some ships 
you need some submarines, tor torpedoes. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? In the same way, the weapons of our warfare are not kind of, but they are mighty through God. Because that weapon is used to pull down strongholds. So the Christian, our weapon that we have is to pull down strongholds. Because the thing that Satan has in us is strongholds that he manipulates. He cannot, he cannot possess you, but he can so test that will make you do what he wants you to do. That is why you do what Satan wants you to do. Uh, I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. That's why uh, Paul says that the things that I want to do, I don't do it. But the things that I don't want to do, that is what I find myself doing. Because strongholds keep you strong. A prisoner doesn't want to stay in the four by four all the time. But they are confined to that space. Are you getting what I'm saying? So strong, Satan brings those strongholds to hold you. So I want you to look at those, how those strongholds are planted in you. Number one. Are you ready? Okay, let's go for that right. Number one. Are you blessed already? Okay. I am trying to think what to do, how to go about it. Okay. Number one. Suggestions that are thrown at you. Satan throws suggestions. You know, you don't have anybody in this life. Your parents don't have enough money. And you need a lot of money to buy a lot of provisions. You need all these things. So why don't you find a sugar daddy that will um, uh, help you, help you in your education to help you finish financially because when you go home, you know, daddy doesn't have, mommy doesn't have. So, you are 21 years old. You go and find somebody who's 55. And you start calling baby. And how many know? How many know? Oh, let me preach my preaching. Cynthia. I, I think I'm going to preach. I'm going to look at you and preach to you alone, because everybody else is our uh, babes. You are 21. You are calling a 58-year-old babes. And and you know something? Oh, Sharon, stop laughing. Do, do, you, do you know that? Do you know that for most of these people, these girls, truly speaking, they can go through the course and not need any babes. <laughs> but they see their friends doing, they see it's like a trend. 
It's what everybody's doing. And so you find yourself doing. And see, it starts that way. It starts with a suggestion. Then that suggestion becomes a consistent thing. And that consistent thing becomes a habit. Now one babes cannot satisfy your, your needs. So you have three, two babes. And two babes can't satisfy your needs. So you have to go for three babes. And three babes can't satisfy your needs. So you go for... So you have one that buys your holiday, holiday tickets. The one that pays the rent. The one that buys your clothes. The one that takes you on holidays. How many know what I'm talking about? I don't know whether I'm preaching to the right congregation. Cheryl, do you know what I'm talking about? You don't? Okay. Okay. Uh, Suggestions that are thrown are like seeds that become a stronghold. It starts with suggestions. In Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan. And God has come out of the heavens to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And after he has, he has fasted, the spirit, not demons, not Satan, but God, the Holy Spirit himself, drives him into the wilderness to go and fast and pray. He goes to fast and pray. How many know that when you have fasted and prayed, that's when you are most anointed? He's most anointed, most spiritually sharp, most uh, uh, the strongest on fire. Here comes the enemy that comes to sow tears. If you are the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become bread so you can get something to eat? If you are the son of God, you, I know you have come to deliver the world. Why don't you go to the high um, pinnacle and jump and let the angels protect you and bring you down, you know, very, 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 very softly and slowly so that the whole world will see. And when they see, they will say, indeed, you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Listen, this whole thing that you are coming to fight is with me. Just bow bow your knee here to me. Nobody will see it. And I will give it to you. You don't have to go to the cross. What are they? Suggestions. The things that make us sin are all suggestions. It's all about suggestions. For, for a Christian, Satan cannot possess you. But he sows suggestions. Strongholds. Suggestions. Suggestions. Nobody accidentally fornicates. Nobody accidentally commits adultery. 
nobody accidentally sins. The sin starts with a suggestion, which is a thought. It's usually a passing thought. It's like birds flying over your head. It is not a sin for birds to fly over your head. But it will be a catastrophe when the bird settles on your head and begins to lay a nest on your weave. And it starts laying eggs on your head. But that is how Satan deals with us. It's a suggestion. Because of the suggestion that you have accepted, you begin to see through the eyes of that. Then your behavior becomes streamlined to the suggestion. They don't like me. I'm not liked. Nobody understands me. Every action goes to confirm the fact that they don't like me. Nobody understands me. Nobody cares for me. How many know what I'm talking about? And then your behavior is, becomes that. And then you are imprisoned by that. Hallelujah. Suggestions, suggestions, suggestions. It starts with the thoughts that you leave to linger in your mind, then it becomes, it moves from just a passing thought to become a residential thought. Something that you always think about. Then it moves from your mind to your heart. Then it enters your emotion. So now what you see, what you feel, what you smell is all that. I mean, understand what I'm saying. And before you realize, you become a prisoner of that thought. Hallelujah. You must not act on any negative thoughts. You must put the word of God as a balancing measure of the thoughts. This thought that has entered my mind, how does it square up with the word of God? So the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 105, said, the word, thy word have I hidden in my heart. The word of God is, is a light, lamp unto my feet and a light, light unto my path. I think 119 says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I will not sin against you. When I hide the word, when any thought comes, it has to be measured up with the word. How does it measure up? Before I act on it. Before you slap somebody. The word of God says that be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your, that was inbred in me. To say that this is wrong, this is wrong, this is. Everybody, all my siblings stayed away from my father. No, nobody. He's not a friend to anybody. 
The conversation is that he asks a question, you give an answer, that's it. That's the conversation. I was the closest to him. But I had to become close because I chose to become close to him. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And I said, I can't afford to have that same thing done because now I know better. I have the word of God that informs my How many understand what I'm saying? 70% attitude. Some of us, we like quarreling. That's all, that's who we are. And because that's all you grew up. If you go and see your mother or your grandmother or your great-grandmother, no different from you. How many know you, but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And to change that thing, where she ended is where you're going to end. Hello? You don't like what I'm saying? Until we begin to question. You see, as Christians, we must use the word of God, not where we grew up. Are you with me? That is why in 1 John 2, it says that you have the word of God living inside of you. So you have the uh, unction, so you don't need anyone to teach you again. You can use the word to question some things in your life. Some things that were done in your family. Some things that are still being done around you. Question and change some things. Because until you change some things, nothing will change around you. In Corinthians, uh, Romans 12, 2, it says, I be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. When your mind changes, transformation comes. When you conform to the world, transformation will never change. It will never come. So, how you grew up, your parents, the way their lifestyle, begin to look and question some things and see them in your life and change some things. Because you know better. If they had known what you know, they would not have done what you, uh, they did. Now that you know more than they, they knew at the time, why are you repeating what they are doing or what they did? Hello? How many understand what I'm saying? We need to change some things. Because it, 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 you can't, it's not, you know, you, you, you have a certain family. Everybody marries and they divorce. Sister A married. Few years she divorced. Sister B married. Few years she divorced. Sister C married. Few years she divorced. Sister D married. Few years she divorced. You are Sister K. It is coming. If I were you, I will skip sister D, B, C, A and go to your great-grandmother and check her out. She was always gobbing. Look at your mother. Look at your sister. And you two are... It is coming. It is coming. 
It is coming. Don't say your, yours will be different. How many have heard that before? Ask for mine, it will be different. And you end up the same way. If you don't change anything, it will end up the same. Same difference. How many understand what I'm saying? This is not, it is not a witch anywhere. There's no witch anywhere. There's no stronghold that needs to be broken. And that stronghold can only be broken by changing your behavior. It's not fasting and prayer. Not everything is fasting and prayer. We like to turn everything to fasting and prayer because it makes it easier than to change some habits or change some things in our lives. Today I came to confront you. Check. Check your mother's behavior. Listen, if you don't learn how to be objective whilst looking at your parents and your grandparents, if you look at them from the rose-tinted glass that you've worn all your life and see that they can never do any wrong, they are the best people in the world, you will never see certain things that you need to change. How many understand what I'm saying? Because I realize in my life, I'll, I'll tell on myself, in my life I realize that even though everybody said my father was some way, when I grew up a little, I realized that he was a very, very genuine, a very good person. In fact, the problem was not him. The problem was an enabler who was not my, my father. He was trying to deal with the issue, but he went about it the wrong way, and so he was vilified. Because he's no more and the problem exists. Which means that the problem was not him. The original source of the problem is still alive. So the problems exist. Are you, are you with me? But if you are wearing a rose tinted glasses, you will never see. I don't know whether, the room has gone quiet all of a sudden. All of us, our mothers can do no wrong. Your, your, your father can do no wrong. But look how many homes that they've broken. Go and check the track record. <laughs> you, don't like, you don't like what I'm saying. Hallelujah. These are strongholds. I mean, my siblings, half of my siblings have never seen a day's work. Have never done a day's work in their lives. And it was because they grew up in a affluent home that didn't think that work is necessary. And he had somebody, a mother, who enabled them to be lazy. And my father had a certain ethic. If you work, I will support you. If you don't work, you're on your own. So he was seen as a bad person. But he was not. And so you see that half, exactly half are doing very well. Exactly half are not doing so well. And the ones who are not doing so well 
are very angry with the ones that are doing well. How many understand? I know it's in your family too. It's not just mine. It's, I know it's, it's every, every family, especially on the right hand side. How many know what I'm talking about? And you see, if you don't challenge these things, you are likely to repeat them in your life with your children because it's a stronghold that has held the family captive. Am I making sense? So you need to break it. There are some family substance abuse is there. What's the root cause of the substance abuse? It is not which anywhere. It is... In between your ears. Are you, are you with me? And you see, they need to be uprooted. And because they've been growing for a long time, it is not easy to uproot the seed of Lebanon. You can uproot some vegetables, but you can't uproot some trees, an oak tree. How are you going to uproot it? Are you getting what I'm saying? Look in your, be, your life. There are some things. Begin to, to, as I'm talking, there are some things that you need to confront. Confront. And look at it. Don't trace it from your life. Go. How far back you see. Amen. You can see it. Richie, you can see it in your family. But you see, the fact that you can see it means you can, you can break free from it. Because Satan always hides in secrecy. There's a scripture in uh, John chapter 1 verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. When you have thrown light in the dark, so now you can see where the roaches are. You can see where the mice are. So now you can deal with them. Am I making sense? What I'm doing is to throw the light there. So that you can see, this is in my family. This is in my family. This is my family. It doesn't line up with scripture. Remove this. Remove this. Remove that. As soon as you remove these things, you see that your life will be much better than it was. Hallelujah. So how many have we done so far? So number one is what? Number two. Number three. Number three is through the five senses, vision, hearing, smelling, taste, and touch. What you watch, what you hear, what you see, what you touch, and what you smell brings a certain stronghold. You are always watching Movies about adultery. Almost all the movies you watch, people are sleeping with people's husbands and people's wives. Can you people allow me to preach my message and go home? Ah, 
Give me volume on this so I can preach. Listen. As you see, as you see, it becomes a thought. A place in your mind. I keep telling you that there are some songs you don't learn. But you can sing them from head to toe. Because it's entered the 70%. There are some movies, they've entered the 70%. And so you see your actions are... You use the movie to... to That is what makes, informs your decisions and actions that you take. Are you with me? Yeah. Some of us, we watch movies of revenge. 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 So there's no forgiveness with you. You don't like it. So your whole life is about revenge. You are waiting. It's like, if you like, touch, step on my toe. Ah, I've got you. Okay. You. <laughs> you put your foot there to be stepped on. And accidentally, your foot was stepped on. It's like, I was waiting for you to step on. Now that you've stepped on my foot. Bitterness. Very clamor. You have mean thoughts. I'm setting a trap. If I get this person, if they fall in my trap, what I will do to them? You know, they did this to me. They did that to me. They did this to me. I am waiting. And sometimes you are sleeping and you are shaking. See, some of, some of the sicknesses that we have, high blood pressure, cancer, bone diseases, they come from bitterness. Dr. Feke said, you can ask him. Forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. Forgiveness is a gift for you, not for them. Because as you are holding a grudge, they are happy. They are prospering. When they sleep, they sleep. Meanwhile, you are tossing and turning, plotting and thinking of how, how bad you can be, what you can do to them. And they are okay. I am waiting for the day the wife will divorce him. Then he will see what he did to me. I, I'm waiting. And you know they are going on the third honeymoon. They, they, they are, before you realize they are done their 20th anniversary. And you are still hoping that the wife will divorce. The wife will cheat on him. Then he will see. Meanwhile, before you realize they have done their 30th anniversary. And meanwhile, you never got married. You are still waiting. Bitter. And you have become like a skeleton. You have set a prison with iron bars hoping that the man will come and stay in the prison. Meanwhile, you are living in a prison waiting for him to come in and he never came. And you are still in the prison by yourself. And he will never come. Why don't you set yourself free? Forgive him. He didn't know what he was doing. If he had known he wouldn't have done it. Make excuse for him in order to set you free. 
excuse for your parents. Some of us, we are bitter with our parents. We are so angry. And when you go and check your parents, they are also bitter with their parents who are dead. They, they, there are some people don't forgive people in the grave. You are holding a grudge against somebody who has died long ago. And you are hoping that the person will resurrect so that you can deal with the person. And they are not coming anytime soon. It's time to let go. Give yourself that freedom today before you leave this room. Forgive them. Let it go. It will help you to live a better and a freer life. Put my horse back on. Joel, give me my horse. A horse can be free or it can be chained. This horse is not free because of unforgiveness. This horse is not free because of bitterness. What they did to me when I was a child. My stepmother didn't give me the love she gave to her own children. Because of my stepmother, I didn't go to the right school. Because of my stepfather, he didn't pay my school fees. Give me the other horse. When you forgive, you look like this horse. Free to run. Free to roam. You are lucky that your stepmother took you in. She didn't owe you any love. But she gave you at least you ate. They fed you. They may not have taken you to the school that they took others to, but at least they, they looked after you. They didn't owe you that, but they gave it to you. Why don't you look at that, the, the blessings and count the blessings rather than the things that was not done right for you? Am I talking to somebody? Why are you carrying the weight of the world? through unforgiveness when you can let it go. Bow your heads with